to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Mills, quick pass. Nico at the five. Nico in the end zone. The dagger. And Grenard with the sack back at the 25-yard line. Touchdown, Houston. Rock and roll. Tremont Smith, coast to coast. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program. That brings you inside NRG Stadium. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you tonight, and it's Thursday. And you know what that means. The general, John McClain, joins us as usual. We are well over a week outside of minicamp now. We are into what I call the desert, not because there's nothing to talk about. There's always something to talk about, but because there's not a lot of news happening but there are a lot of topics to go over. General, how are you tonight? Ready to talk some football as always? I'm always ready to talk some football. Thank you, Mark and John. All right. So I got a simple question from a tweeter. Is that what we call somebody who tweets a, a question? Tweeter. A tweeter uh, the other day. A simple question. Is Mills going to have a good season? And I thought, yes. well, nobody yes. knows, but uh, we're all projecting and predicting things. So, John, you go first, John McClain. Yes, I know. You may not know. John may not know. <laughs> I know. I think Mills, if you look what he did at the end of last season, when over the last five games, he was clearly the best rookie quarterback in the league. Nobody saw it except the teams he went, to get, went against because he's not getting a whole lot of love from the national media when it comes to the second-year quarterbacks. And he did all that playing way before they wanted him to play after starting only 11 games at Stanford. Once he went back to the bench and came back to play, he'd gotten a different perspective. He's a different quarterback. Now he's got Brandon Cooks, their best offensive weapon. He's going to have a second-year receiver in Nico Collins, and I look for him to have a breakout season. And he should have a running game with with, uh, Damon Pierce. And then I think the offensive line will be better. George Warhop is a better line coach. I think Laramie Tunsil, if he stays healthy, he'll be back and not miss as many games as last year. Titus Howard, they finally have put him back where he should go after that failed experiment moving him inside, which I'm guessing James Campen was behind. And I like Kenyon Green and A.J. Kent's starter from day one uh, next to him. So the line should be better. The running game should be better. The receivers can be better. And, you know, Brevin Jordan makes the – jump like Nico Collins does in his second season, they'll have a better weapon uh, as a, he's more of an H back anyway, but I look for them to get more production out of the tight end. So yes, Davis Mills is going to be better. General, whenever I, and, and they're all tied in together in some sense, and Davis is sort of the, the one that gets forgotten about because he was in the third round, but thinking back to the, the quarterbacks drafted in 2021, they're five first-rounders. Mac probably had the best year of the five. But I saw Dan Orlovsky tweet the other day, his top five quarterbacks under the age of 25. He had Trevor Lawrence, the Jacksonville Jaguars, in that mix. And I think it's safe to say that Trevor's got ability. He's got talent. But do you see him with all the things? You just mentioned all the things around Davis Mills. All that's around Trevor Lawrence. Do you think that Trevor and Jacksonville – a team the Texans play twice. Do you think he's going to make that kind of leap to be that quarterback in year two? Well, who were the others and who was left out in Lamar Jackson, just 25. Yeah. Lamar Jackson was mentioned. Kyler Murray was the one that Orlovsky left out. Wow. 
Joe Burrows, Justin Herbert. Yep. Um, you know, I can't. Rem- I don't know who else he had. Mac Jones but, and, and uh, Trevor Lawrence were two. Two others. Now, I I think Mac Jones. He was fine, but one of the things, and he had a really good running game, and he had a really good defense, and he proved near the end of the season if they were behind, he couldn't bring them from behind. And that's fine. He was a rookie. But Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent. And Doug Peterson did a good job with Frank Reich, coaching the quarterbacks in Philadelphia. And uh, I would put Lawrence in there, not because of what he did as a rookie, because he didn't do squat, but because he is a generational talent. Everybody agreed on it. And I would, boy, if you go by production, Kyler Murray's got to be in there over Trevor Lawrence. And I look for Kyler Murray to have a better season than Trevor Lawrence. So that's where I would agree. So I would disagree. I would say, no, Trevor Lawrence does not deserve to be in the top five because he's done nothing on the field to show he belongs there. I'll give you another piece of concern for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that is James Robinson coming back from Achilles surgery. And that could take a bit, right? He says he's not going to rush it. Obviously, I don't know if it's obvious or not, but he's not going to be ready opening day. I think they're pretty clear on that. So I'm wondering how long it's going to take him to get up to speed. They have ETN back. They have others, but their running back situation is not crystal clear. Not that the Texans have a crystal clear running back situation either, but a lot of options here with which to work with. I wonder how much they're going to miss George Warhop because they had a really good average per carry. And that was something that he emphasized when we talked to him during the offseason is the average per carry. Robinson being an undrafted free agent, ETN being a number one pick who was lost for the season. People wondered why in the world that Urban Meyer drafted him when he had Robinson coming off a really good rookie year. Well, you need two backs. You can't have to. You can't have just one anymore. That just doesn't work. And I think ETN is going to be very versatile. You know, they're not going to scare anybody wide receiver or tight end. They got a good offensive line, but I think Lawrence needs more weapons. And he got, he paid Christian Kirk to be their number one receiver. He was not number one at Arizona. And he's going to have to live up to that money for them to have the kind of passing game that Doug Peterson wants. And their offense should be better. Their team should be better. But people that pick them over the Texans, I think if you ask them, when's the last time Jacksonville beat Houston? They couldn't tell you. When's the last? What's the Texans' record against the Jaguars since that? They couldn't tell you. And it's 8 0. And people forget last year, weren't the Jaguars favored by six and a half and five? And the Texans whopped them twice. So there's no way I'm picking Jacksonville over the Texans until they prove they can do it. General, Mark had a great question for me, and I'll ask you the same one. We were talking about the AFC West, the division the Texans play this year, and it's arguably the best division in football, depending on which AFC West, NFC West, whichever one you want to go with. They're both pretty stout on the West Coast. But Mark said, who finishes last? You've got the Broncos now with Russell Wilson. The Kansas City Chiefs have lost Tyreek Hill, but most of the same group is there. The the Las Vegas Raiders bring in Devontae Adams. And they bring in Chandler Jones and the L.A. Chargers bring in Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, Justin Herbert's now his third year. In the AFC West, which team finishes last given those four dynamic teams this year, General? 
with all due respect, John, there's no argument. It is the best division. The NFC West has got Geno Smith as a starting quarterback. This is true. There's no way the teams are going to be good with Geno Smith as a starting quarterback or Drew Locke. And you got DeAndre Hopkins gone for six games and Kyler Murray having contract problems and one of their best pass rushers, Chandler Jones, bolted. So I don't I don't think there's any comparison between those two. I think the one that finishes last would be the one whose quarterback is either hurt or least productive. And Denver has a good running game and a good defense. And Russell Wilson with a big chip on his shoulder. Chargers returned almost every player and had money to get some guys in free agency. And then I'm still picking Kansas City to win it because Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, the Raiders won – the Raiders made the playoffs, and they have a new coach in Josh McDaniels. I'm going to say the Raiders are going to finish last because even though Derek Carr is coming off a good season, he's still the fourth quarterback in that division. And last time we saw Josh McDaniels as a head coach, he bombed out big time. So I'm picking the Raiders last. But they still could have a winning record. So we don't count his 10 minutes with the Colts as being a head coach of an NFL team. He hired a good coach in Matt Eberflus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he stayed there, and now he's the head coach of the Chicago Bears, who the Texans will visit. You mentioned the Chiefs, who are coming here to NRG Stadium this year. I wanted to ask you about this, and I don't know if we've talked about this with you, General, but there was an article written, and boy, I forgot who wrote it, but it was about Eric Bieniemy and conflicts within the organization, Biennemi and Reed and Mahomes and the playoff game and people don't get along as well as you would think or as well as you would hope if you're part of Chiefs Kingdom. What's your take on the Biennemi dynamic in Kansas City? And also, I'll lop on, why doesn't he have a head coaching job? Is it an interviewing problem? What is your take? Well, he's interviewed a lot of times, so obviously he doesn't do well in the interviews. And I'll say this. If that team is having problems behind the scenes, more teams should have problems like that (laughs) behind the scenes because they've been one of the best teams in the league uh, since Mahomes' second season in 2018 and figure to be again. Andy Reid, who people blasted like crazy in Philadelphia because he only went to one Super Bowl and lost, now uh, people are talking about Andy Reid going to the Hall of Fame. So I, I don't care what kind of issues they have. Um, they've been able to overcome them if they are legitimate. Anytime you've had a regime that's in there a while, you're going to have problems. And Biennemi, I think, you know, his window's closed. They could win another Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden, you know, is there a team he hasn't interviewed with? I don't know what the issue is. They all speak highly of him. I was told for years Andy Reid loved Mike Kafka, that he was going to be the next Peterson and Nagy. And he was going to step up as a coordinator and be hired as a head coach. But he got tired of waiting around for the enemy to be uh, named a head coach so he could be promoted. So he left. I don't even remember where he went as offensive coordinator. But based on all the great things I've heard about him, I'll bet you he's a head coach before the enemy. Wow. Yeah. John, we were talking about coaches uh, yesterday. And we were pretty, we hate to say this, universally meaning universally mark and i both agreed that the code the coach that's on the hottest seat is matt rule former coach at baylor university one of the great universities in our nation i'm sure you know this 
<laughs> but with the Panthers, he's now going into year number three. Is this year number three or year number four? Three. Three. Uh, with the Carolina Panthers. I can understand that being a hot seat. We were a little, both of us, a little shocked that Frank Reich was listed in the top four coaches that were on the hottest seats, according to Vegas, of course. And that seemed a little odd. A few notches down, they had Cliff Kingsbury and Mike Vrabel with the same odds. So let's talk about Rule. Let's talk about Reich. And let's talk about the tandem of Kingsbury and Vrabel. First of all, Vrabel and Kingsbury, any way those two get fired after this particular season? Do you think Reich is on a hot seat? And do you think that Matt Rule will make it through with a solid year to keep his job in Carolina? Everybody I know covers the Panthers, and this is the media, says he's on a hot seat and he'll get fired if they don't do something good. And I'm thinking, you know, his best offensive weapon, Christian McCaffrey, has been hurt for the last two years. Now, he made that trade for Darnold. He has final say. They shouldn't have given him final say. A guy who's only been in the NFL for one year as an assistant line coach. But they did because they thought he was going to go to the Giants, and they gave him a six-year contract. And if David Tepper, the owner, will not pay $18 million for Baker Mayfield, why in the world would he be paying off the rest of the $56 million contract of Matt Rule? And also, Matt Rule is a very confident, persuasive, energetic coach. When he's talking, there's no oxygen left in the room. So Tepper, who hired him, I it wouldn't surprise me at all if he doesn't give him a fourth season so he doesn't have to pay off three years. And uh, Mike Vrabel, I can tell you, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Let me change it. <laughs> that is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Thanks. The guy has a home field advantage in the AFC without uh, Derrick Henry for half the year, and they still run the ball among the best teams in the league. And his quarterback is mediocre in the playoffs. And I know for a fact the owner. Amy Adams Strunk loves Mike Vrabel. So does the general manager, John Robinson. They could go three and 14 and Mike Vrabel's not getting fired after this season. And Frank Reich, I think putting him in there, in fact, he's won one playoff game, 2018, his first season. I can't remember who he beat. And yeah. I think they're yeah. thinking about Jim Ursay's tirade after that loss to Jacksonville, which was may have been the worst loss in the NFL last season, in regular season. And I think they're thinking about Ursay. And I, he and Chris Ballard got a good thing going on. They have Matt Ryan. And they think Ryan's got a couple of years left. The reason he did not play well in Atlanta, he didn't have any weapons. And he'll have a great running back and a great running game. And they will compete with the Titans for the division title. And I think that uh, he's not going anywhere. And unless they were to blow the last game against Jacksonville again to miss the playoffs. All right. A lot going on there. I got to weigh in on some of this. First of all, Kafka's in New York with the Giants as their offensive coordinator. Now, as far as Carolina goes, John, I'm intrigued here. Tepper, why wouldn't you pay for Mayfield? I think it's more like they don't believe that Mayfield is the answer to their problem, short or long-term, more than it's a money thing. Don't you believe that? It can't be a money thing with Mayfield. It's got to be that they really don't like Mayfield. 
Everybody says it's money. Now, let me ask you guys something. This is what I don't understand. And this has been a story that has not gotten much attention. So uh, Seattle is loaded at running back. They're loaded at wide receiver. They're loaded at tight end. And they drafted offensive linemen in the first and third round, including Charles Cross at tackle. They have improved their offense immediately, except one little problem. Geno Smith is the starter over Drew Locke. Why wouldn't they be interested in Mayfield? Remember Mayfield two years ago? He was healthy. He played well to go second round of the playoffs as a rookie. Remember that second half he had at NRG Stadium, which he was fantastic? He has not played well when he's been hurt. And we saw him get hurt last year in Cleveland. And so I would want a hungry Baker Mayfield with a huge chip on his shoulder in the last year of his contract over Sam Darnold or Geno Smith. And I don't understand Pete Carroll and, and John Schneider not making a move for Mayfield under those circumstances. They're too good to be terrible to get one of the top quarterbacks but they're not good enough to make the playoffs. I, if I were Cleveland, I'd just swap Mayfield for uh, Darnold and have Darnold go in there and compete with Jacoby Brissett while Watson is out. And then Mayfield has one year to prove it uh, with the Panthers and either, and they could agree not to franchise him and then they could try to get a quarterback the next year. But I would want Mayfield right now. Can you imagine if the Browns end up with Darnold in a deal like that after they could have had him number one overall, not that they should have had him number one overall the way things have played out, but man, what a strange year. And I'm with you on Seattle because Geno Smith, man, I thought, okay, he's got a shot to get the gig, but I thought Drew Locke really doesn't have that any, any more upside to show us to win the job from Geno Smith. No offense to Geno, but we've seen your work before and, Looks like it's a backup kind of resume you got to offer the Seattle Seahawks there in the Pacific Northwest. You brought up the Titans here. I have to go here. Malik Willis, does he play or not this year based on merit quarterback-wise or the demise, for lack of a better word, of whatever might happen to Ryan Tannehill, or do they work him in in Malik Willis-type packages along the way, like the Wild Henry that we saw in week two of 2018? amazing how Ryan Tannehill's performance went down when Derrick Henry went out second half of the season no play action even though they ran the ball very well with that collection of castoffs including two from the Texans and that showed you what a great job Vrabel and the offensive line and the backup did they're a really good running team because that's their philosophy and Tannehill needs that desperately but he doesn't have A.J. Brown. That's not his fault. If The only way, to me, they would play Malik Willis, other than maybe in a package, would be if, if they have a losing record and they want to see him before the season is over. John, I think about this this year, and I feel like the, the teams in the league, 32 teams in the league, I feel pretty confident about looking at teams and go, okay, I kind of, kind of know what they are I know what that team is I know what that team can do okay after that a team has an injury we know what it's gonna do the mystery team to me in the NFL in my opinion and I'll ask actually both of you this who is the mystery team or what is the mystery team to you like you just have no idea you look at that team and go man I just don't know what to think about that team I'll give you mine and I want to hear yours mine is the New Orleans Saints it's a team with a lot of talent and I don't say that loosely. They've got talent everywhere. 
except quarterback where Jameis Winston mm-hmm. has been and you never know what he's going to do. Dennis Allen takes over uh, as the head coach there in New Orleans. I don't know how to even handicap what the Saints could do. They're a total and complete mystery to me. Who is your 2022 mystery team in the NFL, John? Let me say something about New Orleans. They better hope that Dennis Allen is Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan went to Oakland, bombed out. Al Davis fired him almost before he got there, and then he won two Super Bowls with the Broncos. Dennis Allen was a terrible head coach with the Raiders. I think he's 4-12 and twice. So he's a really good defensive coordinator. He gets a second chance. A lot of coaches that get a second chance capitalize on it, but he's replacing a legend in New Orleans in Sean Payton, and he's under a lot of pressure. And how they go might depend on Jameis Winston. I thought Sean Payton did his best coaching job last year with all the injuries at quarterback and with other injuries that he had. They still had a winning record, and they missed the playoffs. And then, of course, he retired for a year. And my team I just talked about is Seattle. I look at them, and I see all this talent, all this offensive firepower, and I listen and read Pete Carroll talking about saying glowing things about Geno Smith. And I think even the people out there are like shaking their heads. Is he just saying this to try to create interest, to try to bolster the confidence of Geno Smith or, or is his nose growing really long every time he says something because he sees things nobody else sees when it comes to Geno. And there have been quarterbacks, as you guys know, as they approach 30, a light bulb goes off and they get in a system that works for them. You know they're going to run, run, and run some more. And But that's a team in a, in a competitive division that I just I, – I could see them – can't see them winning with Geno Smith, but uh, – and it just seems like such a waste. Yeah. My mystery team is the Pittsburgh Steelers because Trubisky's there. We all know they drafted Kenny Pickett. I want to see how that works out. I think Mike Tomlin, everybody heard him on the podcast this week, how motivated he is with a new quarterback situation, an uncertain quarterback situation, how he wants to really get after it more than ever. I think he's a tremendous coach. I know that people talk about the playoff record, lack of playoff success lately and all of that, but I think that they have been undermanned They've gotten by on guts, determination, whatever they could squeeze out of Roethlisberger's last legs. And now they have a new beginning with a new quarterback situation. And it could be Trubisky all the way through or Pickett wins the job. But I think either way, they're going to be more competitive than you think in the AFC North. Because what if Cleveland doesn't have Watson for the bulk, if not all the season? Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Yeah, he's going to play, right? Or is this going to drag on to be a major distraction? Cincinnati was 10 and seven last year. I know they bolstered the offensive line, which is going to be good for them, but they were 10 and seven before they got into the playoffs. And I don't want to say squeaked by in those playoff games. I'll give them all the credit in the world. They played great. They executed in the crunch to win those playoff games, but a lot of people are picking them to backslide. I'm not necessarily doing that, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Steelers end up nine and eight or something like that. That might be a surprise to a lot of people. I'll say this about Cincinnati. We know they're not going to the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl loser never goes back. Uh, they're New England, and they were lucky in the playoffs. They benefited from some officials' calls, and they do. They are loaded with talent. 
and a lot of people are going to pick him. And if Watson if Watson's suspended for the season, and maybe if it's ten games or more, Cleveland could finish last. But at some point, Pittsburgh you'd think is going to want to see Kenny Pickett, and rookie quarterbacks generally don't go to the playoffs. Uh, some of them do, but um, you know Roethlisberger didn't play till I till touchdown Tommy Maddox got hurt. And then I don't think Big Ben lost a game and they went to the playoffs and lost to the Patriots. And then if you look at Terry Bradshaw, you know, he started number one pick, bombed out. He was so bad early on, they were playing Jefferson Street, Joe Gilliam. And so if Pickett doesn't start right away, and I think they're sincere about Trubisky, they're going to have to run the heck out of Najee, uh, Najee, what's his name? The running Harris. Back. Yeah, I almost said Najee Davenport from Miami. Yeah, he's done. And Najee Harris has got to be able to carry a big load. They've got to have a backup because they have to run the ball. Trubisky's not a guy that's going to go out and win a game throwing for 300 yards, and he's not going to bring you from behind. He's a manager. We've seen him flash. We saw two years ago him have a really good game in Chicago and beat the Texans, and I don't know if he ever – duplicated it but it's still weird to think about the Steelers in last place new GM Omar Khan and uh, but I think you're right they can be competitive competitive can be seven eight or nine victories but uh, I feel like if I had to pick somebody right now to win that division I'm going with the Ravens because of John Harbaugh being a great coach and thinking about what they went through last year with Lamar Jackson being out and three running backs being out left tackle, Ronnie Stanley being out. I think if they're relatively healthy, they're going to win that division and they may make the playoffs in Cincinnati. They'd make the playoffs Cincinnati. I think will make the playoffs, but Pittsburgh, I don't know that I've ever picked them to finish last. Texans are the surprise team. That's it. General, what do you got going on for us to promote? Well, I'm on uh, Sports Radio 610 three times a week. I'm on Texans Radio one time a week. And right. uh, and I tweet on uh, McLean underscore on underscore NFL. And I got a couple of irons in the fire for the season. Ooh. And I always like coming on with you guys on Thursday. Mark and John, thank you very much. Thank you, General. We appreciate it. Coming up, who's better? Quarterbacks? Texan skilled position players, teams, sporting events. It's all happening here on Texans Radio. Texans Radio continues in a moment. Ashley is proud to call Houston home. We believe your personal style makes your house a home. Discover incredible styles, selection, and quality at a price to fit any budget. Ashley has just the looks and options you need. Explore totally different styles and trends all in one place. Finding the perfect furniture and home decor makes it easy for you to create a home you love to live in. We have 12 Houston area locations to serve you. Ashley, proud partner of the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans and Chevron have teamed up with the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Houston and the Houston Food Bank to create the Chevron Market Pantry at the Houston Texans Team Club. The partnership provides food to the local community and is run by Team Club members and Chevron volunteers. Together, we're helping make Houston a better place to call home.
Texans Radio. The drive continues. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you, keeping you company on the drive home or wherever you are headed right now. Great to have you listening. Now, we're ready to play Who's Better? And, Johnny, you're always ready. Of course. Let's roll. All right, let's roll. Who's the best? It's not just who's better. Oh, boy. Who's the best? And it's the best tight end in the history of the Houston Texans not named Owen Daniels. So, Owen Daniels is third on the all-time receptions list for your Texans wow. behind Andre Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins. Right. He's in front of Kevin Walter, Will Fuller. Mm-hmm. Arian is after that. Then is Brandon Cooks. How about that? But Owen's number three. So, care to guess who the next tight end is on this list? And I'm not saying this necessarily means he's the second best tight end in the history of the franchise, but it's worth noting for sure. Darren Fells. Uh, that is incorrect. Ooh. It's Ryan Griffin. Yeah. Ryan Griffin is next. He is 11th on the all-time Texans receiving list, immediately followed by Joel Dreesen, another tight end. And they each played in 77 games for the Houston Texans. That's pretty interesting stuff. Now, Griffin had a lot more catches because he was much more of a, I hate to call him a featured tight end, but in that starting set, if you will, Dreesen was often a complimentary player. Right. But Griffin, more yards. And Griffin more, he's got to have more touchdowns, but he doesn't. Dreesen actually has more touchdowns. How about that? That's pretty interesting. So I'll, I'll answer in just a second, but okay. I have a question for you real fast. All so right. I was studying uh, a tight end from Michigan whose name is Eric All. He's a good player. Really, really good player. Draft eligible next year? Uh, coming up, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 2023. And somebody tweeted something about, you know, the the Wolverines have not had a day one or day two, a round one or round two tight end taken in 20 years. Wow. And I went, oh, I know who that is. A it guy is. who's Benny Joprou. Oh, my gosh. In 20 years. 20 in years. 2003, Benny Joprou. Yes. How about oh that? I, that hit me. And that's what when you asked the question, the first thing that popped up. That and I think that was it. It was not a first or second because they've had guys drafted, but it's always been day three guys. And all's pretty good. I could I could see him being in the in the in the top. I can see him being in the top two rounds when it's all said and done. Jason Witten was in that draft. You could have had him. You didn't take him. But both, both Drew and I have done that before. But let me ask you this: Heading into that draft, was Jopru not the better prospect? Oh yeah, on paper. Yes. Oh uh, yes, on the hoof, whatever yes. you would say. Absolutely, better prospect. Mm-hmm. Jopru. It goes to show you the draft. It exact science. Witten plays for a thousand years. <sighs> the rest is history. Yeah, Drew and I have done that. Uh, a redrafting in the lab. My number three tight end is the guy that. And again, we get into this. We get into the debate in the Hall of Fame. Do you go numbers or do you go period of dominance? Right. I'm going to crazily say mm-hmm. that. But no, it's just too short. I can't Fedorowicz? say CJ Fedorowicz. Why not? 16, he was fantastic. He was just incredible in 16. 15, he started kind of showing what he could do, but he always was a really good blocker. Yeah, but halfway through the fourteen season, you could see that he was really a good run blocker. But you thought, man, could this guy ever become a weapon in the passing game? And then in fifteen, you start to see it. Sixteen, it it blows up. Like, you know, Brock can't get the ball to hop. Um, who, by the way, was interviewed about his suspension. He said it was had to be contaminated because he said he's all natural. Um, which I thought was typical. You hop. gotta love him. Yeah. Anyways. Fedora was so good that year in 16. And you thought, we have found it. We have found the, 
you know, the marriage of Gronk and Owen Daniels, this is the guy. And then at yeah. 17, he has a concussion issue, and he's out, he's out of football after three games at 17, basically. So Fedorowicz is the guy that I would want to say. I just, I just don't know that I could say that. I am actually going to – I'm going to go with Ryan Griffin. All right. I think that's fair based I think on that's the body the, of work and right. everything. And more complete over the years. Yeah. I would say he's, he's – it's got, it's got to be him. One it's got to be him. Fedorowicz has six touchdowns in 26 fewer games played than Ryan Griffin. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Six TDs. He played in 51 games. This was no slouch performance yeah. in a short amount of time by C.J. Fedorowicz. He just gets so forgotten because of obviously the way that it went down. But, man, 2016, he was as good as we – as. I mean, look, nobody's going to beat Owen Daniels. And, and Owen fit that offense so perfectly. Yeah. So – Nobody's going to ever beat Owen Daniels, but C.J. was on his way to at least being mentioned, hey, who are the best tight ends in Texas history? Owen Daniels, C.J. Fedorowicz. After that, who cares? It's those two. But then he gets hurt. I just think of the the big plays he made in 16. I mean, that catch Sunday night against the Colts down the seam to tie the game and send Mm -hmm. it overtime and just how incredible that was. And he was such a weapon that year. I just, man, you know what? That would be a. Would have that, been nice to see. That would be a good – that's a good offseason topic we need to do a show on at some point. Got – I don't want to call them one-year wonders, but guys that really didn't, for yeah. whatever reason, but they had Too that soon. one year. Too soon. Steve Slayton. Slayton, yeah. That's a one-hit wonder. Yeah, or sure, too short a time. Yeah, we need to come up with a statement. I said yeah. too soon, meaning like they left us yeah. too soon in a football sense. Those are two that come to mind. There would be others, I'm sure. Who's the fourth leading tight end on the receptions list? In Texans history, fourth. Um, this is God, interesting I, to me. I I would not have guessed this. It's Jordan Akins, yeah, followed I mean, by sense. Billy Miller and then Garrett Graham. They're all pretty close together after that. Fedorowicz is down the way, and then James Casey. And you know, it takes a while. Tell to get, you what, man. takes a while to get to Darren Fells. By the way, we have thrown a lot of tight end paint on the canvas. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, a ton. I I would I would say just. First glance, we have spent more draft capital on tight ends over the years than any team in the league. Well, considering that it's not a large position group, right? Right. right. You, you keep three or four. Right. Sometimes maybe even two. So it's not a large position group. We should research this because offensive line picks, okay. And, you know, they haven't picked that many offensive right. linemen over the years relatively. But for the size of the position group, not a lot of guys, or a ton of guys drafted at the tight end group. Not a lot of guys at running back, and we can go over some others. Yeah, but just think since 2018, right? Yeah. So Fedorowicz has to retire after 17. Right. So the Texans don't pick to the third round 18. They pick uh, Jordan Akins, Jordan Thomas. Yeah. 2019, they pick Waring. They don't pick one at 20 because they don't have as many picks. 21, they pick Brevin. And 22, they pick Teagan. Yeah. I mean, that's that's five tight ends in, in six Six drafts? Eventually, we'll get an all-pro out of this somebody, deal. I mean, Please, Brevin. Think, Tegan. All right. think and Tegan. And Farrell wants to go to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Yes. All right. All pro, Next, yeah. who's better? You ready for this yeah. one? Who's better at quarterback from here on out? From here on, from this day moving forward? I'm going to throw this one at you before, oh, but boy. it's always worth playing again because it's a hit. Josh yeah. Allen or Patrick Mahomes? Who's better from now on? Pickett. Oh, 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 I said Pickett. That sounds like Kenny Pickett. No, it's Pick not. Up. It's not Kenny Pickett. Here's here's the thing that 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 stuck with me, and 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 this. I don't want to say this 
this is a weird thing to say, mm-hmm. but Patrick Mahomes really hasn't hit, and we don't really know how Mahomes is going to deal with adversity. Yeah. So how does he adapt? How does he like, change? Like you're three and five or right. something like that. How do right. you deal with it? Yeah, you know, I mean, remember for your, when uh, 2016, remember we played the, the Packers. That was a couple weeks after Jordan uh, Jordan Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was like, R-E-L-A-X, relax, we got this. And then he brings them all the way back, beats us, beats everybody else. They end up going to the playoffs that year in, in 2016 and, and won a couple of playoff games, got the NFC Championship game. I'm going to say from here on out, I'm going to take Josh Allen because I think Josh Allen – came into the league and had to fix things right away. Yeah. He had to fix stuff right away. He couldn't be Wyoming Josh. How are they going to take this wild stallion and turn him into secretariat? And the Bills did it, and and Allen worked at it. He's now secretariat. Mahomes comes into the league, and he's dropped into one of the great situations. First of all, he doesn't have to start the first year. He can just sit and watch Mm -hmm. Alex Smith. Then he's, he is surrounded by a great offensive line, Tyreek Hill and, Pat, and, and uh, Travis Kelsey, along with Andy Reid calling plays. Josh Allen wasn't dropped into quite that situation. He had to kind of work through it. But I think Josh Allen has worked through it to a point where he's going to get better and better. Mahomes has to make some changes in the way that he plays. He's got to make some changes and can't be – he can't be – we say Wyoming, Josh. He can't be Texas Tech Mahomes. He's got to go back to 2018 Mahomes. Yeah, he made some, you know, incredible throws, you know, the no-look throws, all that kind of stuff. That's really not what I'm saying. But Patrick will get out of the pocket when he doesn't need to, and he'll end up making a throw he doesn't need to, and it ends up being a risky throw he doesn't need to. He needs to be a little bit more uh, – I don't want to reel him in as being a gunslinger, but he's got to rein that in. He's still the wild stallion – that Allen has evolved out of. Mahomes is still that guy. But he's so daggum talented. It's, it's served that he him can, well. It has. And it's in, he's worked out of it. But he's now with a team and, and with people around him that are going to need him to be a little bit more polished. And the division's going to be even more competitive. Right. And he can't be as gunslinger-ish mm. because he doesn't have the, the ultimate eraser in Tyreek to be able to... Uh, make a mistake, and Tyreek fixes it for him. All right, I've got two more for you because we've been talking, yeah. and that's what we do here. Yeah, we tend to get into these long conversations, but they're good. It's good football talk for your summer cooling, and we'll continue to talk about who's better with other sporting events, some other teams, Texans opponents involved. It's all happening next year on Texans All Access. Texans All Access continues in a moment. As the official credit union of the Houston Texans, TDECU is proud to help fans like you feel the thrill of victory from the first deposit toward a savings goal to a major milestone like a new dream home. TDECU is here to help you navigate your financial journeys and to cheer you on every step of the way, creating victories and improving lives. It's the TDECU way. Visit TDECU.org. Insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. UA Equal Housing Lender. We return to Texans All Access. Continuing our conversation here on Texans Radio, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Who's better? Johnny, next who's better? Because we couldn't get to these in the last segment because we were rambling, but that's what we do. It's kind of what we're paid to do, actually. True. Who's better? 
as far as the near miss playoff teams I'm about Ooh, to name from I last like this, year. I like this, I like this. Chargers, <laughs> Colts, near miss. And look, the Colts had that horrifying loss to the Jaguars <sighs> last day of the regular season. Chargers had that. Raiders, could you please give us a tie loss? And the Raiders unwilling to do it. They had that to deal with as they missed the postseason. Both teams did. They're back. They're different, especially with the Colts at quarterback. Who's better? Let's rifle through this. Watch this. Okay. Uh, offensive line, Colts. Quarterback, Chargers. Wide receiver, Chargers. Running backs, Colts. Fairly even, except for the fact that the Chargers have the quarterback. Defensive line, close, but it's Chargers. Now with Khalil Mack and with Joey Bosa. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Linebackers, got to go Colts. Defensive backs, that's a close one. But I'm going to give it to the Chargers because the Chargers Ooh. have J.C. Jackson now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You forget about him. Yeah. Not you, but people. And the Colts have Stephon Gilmore. I would say Jackson a little bit more talented. And the Chargers have Derwin James. Well, you got Kenny Moore and Gilmore back there for the Colts. And you got Derwin James and J.C. Jackson. It's, it's Chargers. It's Chargers by a, by a, a hair. Okay. A hair. But because of Justin Herbert, I give it to the Chargers. I give All it right, to the Chargers. So they're better. But in the division, AFC South, not as tough as the AFC West, right. on paper anyway. There's that. There is that. So, But I think the Chargers I think the Chargers are the most talented team in the league. Wow. What? I think, I think the Chargers are the most, ta- most talented team in the league. Not the best team. I think the best team is the Buffalo Bills. Okay. I think the most talented team, the Chargers. But that's all got to come together, and those guys have to all be healthy. Remember when we played the Chargers, and I'm not want to take away from our win against the Chargers. There's no Bosa. There's no Derwin James. There was no Rashawn Slater. That's three all pros. Now go over who the Texans were missing that day. I know. And I, against I, the Jaguars. I know. But my point is with the Chargers, though, when that group is all healthy, it's a nasty, nasty group. Nasty group. And if Herbert is playing – he doesn't have to play at a, at a Herculean effort type level. Mm-hmm. He just has to play his game, not turn the ball over, and do what he does. I think the Chargers are the toughest out in the AFC. Okay. I, think that, I think the Chargers and the Bills. I'm going Chargers and Bills. I, just, I think the Chargers have got what it takes. If, if those additions stay healthy, they added Zion Johnson in the offensive line, I think the Chargers are going to be a tough out. And they're coming back yep. to NRG Stadium. So are the Colts opening day. Mm-hmm. Ticket information on the Texans app or HoustonTexans.com. Go check it out. All right, final who's better of the day and of the week. Who's better as far as what's better now? What's the better no-dog-in-the-fight sporting event? In other words, mm-hmm. you don't have anybody to root for right. here. College World Series or any other college event outside of the NCAA tournament or football. So you got to leave basketball and football out of it. Okay. CWS or any other college event that you might like to follow. What's better? You want to know, like, the weirdest secret of mine? You know, it's one of my favorite events. I don't watch all the time because it's not always on. And I, can, I can't always find it. Yeah. But one of my favorite events to watch, college volleyball. I was going to say. I love college volleyball. I so love the women. Male, female. No, e- either one. Okay. There is a quarterback coming out of Long Beach, Long Beach Poly. His name's Nico Iamelvo. He's like 6'5", 6'6". He's like 210 pounds. Allegedly, there's an NIL deal on the table for him for $8 million to go to Tennessee. So I go to search him and trying to find some highlights. And the first thing that pops up, Nico, volleyball highlights. 
oh, I'm going to click this. I click it. I'm like, oh, my God. This dude is an unbelievable volleyball player. Wow. And he's like Vince Young on the field. Is he an outside hitter or is yeah, he he's a, he's an outside hitter. Like, okay. he brings funk. And he can get up. It's fascinating to watch him. I love college volleyball. But college World Series at Rosenblatt was the best thing ever. I like it okay now. And, I'm, and I still watch it. Like, I watched the games last night. It was finally got a great game. But. At Rosenblatt Stadium, it was something else, man. Yeah, it was special. It, it when was you special. said the other day you had called the College World Series at Rosenblatt, I was just, I was dying with envy. I'm just like, oh man, I always wanted to go, and I always, always missed it. So, College World Series is very, very close. But in Rosenblatt, it took the cake. But man, there are so many of these other great events. I mean, like college volleyball, I, I just, I, I freaking love it. And if you've never been to a lower division, I shouldn't say lower division. This sounds bad, but an FCS championship game. Like, I went to a D3 championship game in 2003. I saw St. John's from Is Minnesota. Is the Stag Bowl? Uh, yeah. yeah. I saw them take on uh, Mount Union. Mount Union was on a 58-game winning streak. And St. John's upset them. It was the coolest game. It was the coolest experience. It sure. was really, really neat to watch not surprised. football teams playing for a national championship. It was really cool. So, yeah. I'm going to take every other college event because I get college volleyball championships. And I also get uh, lower division. Oh, you said I couldn't have football. You can't have football. Oh, I can't have football. Uh, I'm still going to go with that because I get a number. I get a number of those championships. Uh, so men's cool volleyball that. is the most underrated NCAA sport that no one gets to see. Dude, I mean, the, the women get seen, and that's a great sport. Yeah, yeah. The men's game is so fast and furious. Oh, it's ridiculous. And I think the Frozen Four is an excellent event. As oh, well. yeah, that's a good I one. I love the Frozen Four, but I got to have the big names in there. I cannot have Minnesota Duluth in the Frozen Four or Denver. I know Denver's a great school. I'm going to yeah. get Denver fan hate now. You know what's a good one, too? What? It's Belichick favorite. Lacrosse Final Four is awesome. Yeah. That yep. is an awesome, that's awesome a great event. college I've always sport. wanted to go to that. Great college always. fun sport. All right, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Thanks, Johnny. We'll be back tomorrow talking Texans, talking everything else in sports. Do we? Yes, we do from time to time. But it's a small percentage of the program. Basically, we're here to talk about your Texans who begin camp in late July. Go to the app for all the information on your Texans. HoustonTexans.com videos, articles, highlights constantly injected into your veins. Have a great night. Go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. How do we outsmart cancer? At Houston Methodist, we're creating nano devices to directly treat tumors, minimizing side effects. We're researching how repurposing existing treatments can stop the deadliest form of breast cancer from spreading. And removing cervical cancer without affecting the uterus so you can still give birth. That's the difference between practicing medicine and leading it. Houston Methodist, leading medicine. To learn more, visit HoustonMethodist.org. Method.